Also, I'm very proud of this. Let me let me show you. I want to send you a picture of my setup here. Oh yes, beautiful. I'm quite proud of it. Do you want to see my setup? Yes, I do. I like that. That's a nice mic. Yes, it's just a you know blue yeti. You love it or hate it. I just wanted a good microphone, and my grandpa said that it was good, and he liked it, and had a good review. Nice. I said, "All right, grandpa, I'm spending a hundred dollars on it. It's gonna be a microphone for a long time. Don't fail me, grandpa." Welcome to the College Try Podcast, a show about tech, music, and our experiences as college students. On this podcast, we're going to discuss things we're trying out, as well as our hobbies and interests, and what's going on in our lives. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Joe Durnell. Hello, Joe. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in again. We've got a lot of exciting topics today. Welcome back to Apple Corner. So when you were watching WWDC, mm. did you think that the Apple campus... Looked- Dude, it is... I, I would love... Isn't it San Bernardino? Yeah, I believe so. Like, I'm going to look it up to be sure, but it's just like this beautiful, ridiculously good-looking campus Ugh. that no one can go to because it shut down because of coronavirus. Aww. Not to get too much in a COVID corner here, but it's sounds like <laughs> mostly... Ironically, it was like Apple's going to spend billions of dollars on this and then everyone's going to work from home. But anyway, it's absolutely a beautiful campus. There was like this really cool shot with the iMac Pro even where they were mm-hmm. showing the new stuff that was coming out and they went into the basement and there's like this research lab and all sorts of crazy stuff. Again, that, mm-hmm. that link will be in the show notes. I agree. When they were, I remember when they were like, I mean, when I found out they were making it and like the, the initial, like what it would look like, I was like, no way, <laughs> no way they could make that. And then now it's a thing that exists. It almost seemed like an onion article. It's like, who's actually going to make mm-hmm. who's actually going to be crazy enough to make this thing but apple they're crazy enough to do it they are and so i think we shouldn't talk about the iphone 12 just yet it's coming up in the month of september most likely but i don't think we really have enough information to talk about the iphone 12 yet and so i'd mm-hmm. rather talk about something we both know and love which is airpods and why they're cool we both have a set of airpods yes i think we should both talk about our history with airpods why we like them why in my opinion i mean the stereotype is they're overpriced and only rich people have them in my opinion mm-hmm. they're a decent deal for what you get and I think we should explore more of our background kind of with that. Yeah. And I'll start off with the fact that AirPods is a huge company. In fact, in 2019, and I think this would be even higher up on the list now, but in 2019, they would have been the 32nd largest company in the entire U.S. If they broke off from Apple, Apple would be, you know, the first or second largest company, depending on how you want to count it. And then the AirPods company, if it just split off, it would be the 32nd largest company. And that, that's mm. not even counting, like, if the iPhone company split off, now it's, you know, the 10th largest company and so on. AirPods came out in September 2016, so we're almost coming up to, like, oh, the wow. fourth year anniversary of the AirPods 1. That's crazy. And so what better time than the fourth anniversary to talk about? Because the first couple of years, no one really had them. But now, mm-hmm. like, Joe, tell me about the time you were, like, counting all of the AirPods that you saw on campus. Oh, my gosh. I think I had a class at... It wasn't very far. And I got on the bus, and I just started counting. And not even... So just going there, I saw somewhere in the 20s of of just people who had them so and then when i came back i I kept counting i think it was i ended up getting some like high 30s or 40s in in pairs of airpods so like you think about 100 what what, i mean the originals were like original ones were around 140 if i'm remembering correctly 140 to 160 depending on the sale and and then also some of them were have were the new pros so that's even what 240 250 about two between 240 and 260 depending yeah like you think about how much money apple is making from all because every single person bought those from apple and oh my gosh it's just insane so i'd like to talk about what we use our airpods for and you might say duh we use them to listen to music and podcasts and things like that in my case i think in my case it's mostly podcasts in your case it's mostly music because you probably listen to a whole lot more music than i do to be honest my airpod workflow is to always keep them in the case i have a personal rule that i should never take them out of the case because if i take them out of the case we'll end up with like the left one in my car 
the right one in the basement and like the case at mm -hmm. my grandma's house not this has actually happened but like before you know it, if you don't keep the things together you're going to be a sad boy because they will go all over the house so true so true and at night as well i have to remember to charge them because now that mine are really old they only last for a couple of hours welcome to first world problem land i know but <laughs> they will only they will last for a relatively short amount of time so I will need to remember to charge them at night. If I don't, I'll wake up and be sad, and then I won't be able to mm. listen to anything. I'll just go around and listen to silence in my own thoughts, and we can't have that. So tell me about your workflow, Joe. What do you do? Well, you've reminded me now. I'm, mine are also decently old, so I'm going to plug them in as we're speaking. <laughs> Good idea. So I don't really have a, a workflow, and this is mostly because, like I said, I think last episode, that I have a ThinkPad. I have a Lenovo ThinkPad. And for some reason, I got it used. I didn't get it new. So for some reason, the Bluetooth is just messed up. So I can't use them with this laptop, which really is not, it's very inconvenient. Again, welcome to first world uh, <laughs> problems, right? So I don't use them with my computer. Now, I will say the biggest use that I used them for last year was uh, going to sleep. So I, my, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm very non-confrontational. I never <laughs> asked my roommate if he wanted to play music out loud at night, right? Because I, I fall asleep to music. Right. And so I would take the left one and I would leave my left one in and play music. And then it was kind of a scavenger hunt in the morning to find it uh, before I went out to class. Yeah. Because, you know, it would get lost in the sheets, lost in the pillow. But that's, that is the main use. I would say mostly now it's just like if my roommate now is doing something or like I'm walking somewhere. It, I don't use them a ton um, because I have a speaker in my room. Um, I, I have obviously my car speed. Like, mostly I listen to music out loud. If I need to be by myself and like focus or somebody else is doing something, I will, then I'll use them with my phone, but I never use them with my computer because it doesn't work. I've had that happen as well. So one time you told me something along the lines of like, nothing is more fun than waking up and just rolling over to your left side for a while, rolling over to your right side, just on a lazy Sunday morning when you don't have to go anywhere. Absolutely. That is incredibly fun. I agree. Nothing is better. And so I've had that happen too, where I will only put the left airpod in and while sitting on my right side i'll be like all right switch take that mm -hmm. out put it in my right side and then stay on my left yep. side and then what will inevitably happen is they'll both somehow get lost under the bed in the night and have to go hunt around for them and what's sad is that i've yep. tried to use find my airpods before just going into the find my iphone app and that unfortunately does not really work why do you even include that feature yep. you're just taunting us apple it doesn't work yep it does not work you are because it only shows you where they were last opened if you're actively connected you can make them ring but overnight you're not your bluetooth connection is not going to stay open so you're just going to wake up and they're going to be complete they lost exactly so thumbs down for that but thumbs up for everything else yeah i agree hey and, and what you were saying about sound quality i mean what the value of what you get i mean if, if you're an apple user you try third-party uh headphones you know what i mean you, you try higher end and obviously they're good but if you go down to walmart or, or target or whatever and just get a pair of wired headphones they're not going to be great i remember the the first time i noticed that apple had it down was i just i put them in and i was like i can hear a lot of bass in these and, and, and it's true because first, I don't know how, but they, they get the, the in-ear headphones to have so much bass and also clarity up top with, with the higher uh, sound. And that's not something that you get with just any, you know, wired headphones. Yeah, what's cool about that as well is that the original AirPods are almost designed for you to be able to hear the outside world while you're listening. The AirPods Pro are designed to repel all the noise, so we almost have like two opposite products here. Mm -hmm. One of them keeps your ear open. If you are using them, you can stay fairly open to the outside world as reasonably as you can be. I tried to, I have a kind of an interesting story about the AirPods Pro. So I, when they first came out, 
it was like they were coming out i think exactly on black friday at least where i lived they were coming out to stores then mm -hmm. as like you know what better time black friday like go let's go spend all of our money on this i was looking around and target is sold out best buy is sold out you know we're going around at 11 p.m looking at all these stores everyone is sold out this is back in the old days when you could go to stores if you wanted to there were a lot of people in a lot one place with no mask so it was a little bit crazy i think we were living on the edge back then <laughs> none of the stores had any kind of apple devices they were just licked clean everyone came and took away all the apple devices so we were like all right let me try to go online and figure out like is there any place we can get them because like the apple store is online is everything's gone amazon everything's gone it just all that's left is the people on ebay selling them for a thousand dollars new in the box basically so we don't want to deal with those people <laughs> i went to the sprint store and the sprint store had it me and my brother went to the store at 8 a.m when it first opened and we thought we were all cool and we went in and they had like you know eight sets left or something so we both bought him and he kept his and still uses his to this day but i did not like them because they fell out of my ears and did not stay in as well as the first generation really so they went back needless to say I can't say I'd recommend those. I only recommend the first or second generation. Wow. I didn't know that you had them and, and, and returned them. Yes. It was like for 240 to $60 somewhere in there. I, I better love these with so much with all my art. The noise canceling was extremely cool, but it just didn't stay in my ear. It would just be falling out for three minutes and torturing me the whole time. And then I just gave up. To circle around to the listening to stuff at night, you were talking about what are you generally listening at night that can help you fall asleep, uh, especially when your roommate is, you know, not wanting to play music, etc. What mm. types of things can you listen to to knock you out? Well, it's it's funny, actually, that you mentioned that. I I was really into the habit of, I would cue, cue a bunch of slow songs, right? I mean, you're not going to be listening to hard rock. No heavy metal at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A few examples are like Gravity by John Mayer or uh, like If I Ain't Got You by Alicia Keys or, or like Blackbird by The Beat. Just slow, acoustic-y songs. And then I would always cue a podcast. If I didn't get to sleep by just the relaxing nature of those songs... Usually hearing someone talk would put me to sleep. That's interesting. So were you having this on a sleep timer? So it would be just in case, you know, just in case you did go to sleep, it'd be going out in 20 minutes or something. Yep. And I did that mostly because uh, if I left it on, it would drain the battery. AirPods charge very quickly. So if you put them in for like 10 to 15 minutes, you can get some decent battery out of them. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I did use the sleep timer. I'm a Spotify. Are you a Spotify user? I am. Okay. I'm, for an Apple, quote unquote, Apple fanboy, Apple music is not as good, in my opinion, for a variety of reasons. I Maybe agree. that could be another topic, but Spotify is much better in my eyes. You're doing something that I think a lot of people actually do, but just don't talk about, which is that using a podcast to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And that's what my mom does. She uses podcasts a lot of the time to go to sleep. What about them really makes you fall asleep? I listen to a podcast, which isn't really a podcast, it's a sermon. Uh, huh. It's it's church, it's Judah Smith's. Uh, it's basically just his Sunday morning message. Whatever. Joe, are you falling asleep to sermons again? Maybe. <laughs> I listened to those. I was at work summer of I think 2018 and 2019. I I had listened to a lot of these before. Then so when I would listen to them at night, it was more of like okay, I know exactly what this message is about. I like it a lot, and it makes me feel very comfortable. So the fact that I had heard it before. I liked it a lot. I knew what it was going to say. I, I still do that. I, I still, not as much anymore, especially because it's like I have another roommate and I don't know what he mm -hmm. thinks about falling asleep to podcasts, <laughs> right? So I don't want him to hear a voice in the night and just be like, ah, what is that? You know? Yeah. So I don't do it anymore as much. But I think something was just comforting about hearing somebody talk that put me to sleep. I will confess I've done that from time to time. Honestly, I oftentimes stay awake wanting to listen to a podcast, and then I'm up till 1 a.m., and that's not good at all. So yeah. I will oftentimes, I'll just try to shut down my brain. I'll stare at the ceiling for a long time, and 
ask my brain to quiet down and after maybe 20 minutes it will it'll run out of thoughts and then it's silent yep. but there's one other thing i wanted to say about falling asleep to a podcast and this is not as sketchy as it sounds now that i planted that idea in your head i'll say the title the title is the sleep with me podcast have you ever heard of this before no and it is not you know it is not suggestive in nature shall we say that's scandalous zachary <laughs> Yes, I know. What is this? It's a Christian family show. <laughs> so the host is literally, he calls himself Scooter. His real name is Drew Ackerman. It's time for the podcaster that if he wasn't making a sleep podcast that went off topic and acted silly to keep you company. And- As you can hear, he has a very boring professor voice. It's just like almost designed to put you to sleep. So he will read you these stories. He One time he did recaps of episodes of The Good Place, where he literally just explained what happened in a very slow and methodical way, which is designed to put you to sleep. Or he might do like a spinoff. I think he'd done like spinoffs as far as Doctor Who and some other things. Oh, that's cool. He's basically just taking fiction, and it's just the weirdest show ever. Hmm. So you listen to it, and you're like, what the heck is this? It's designed for you to tune out and just sort of give your brain something to work with. And then you fall asleep because it, you're you're so bored. Like the story is designed to bore you into submission. Got it. So I'd recommend that's your homework, Joe. Listen to the like. Try it once for five minutes. If you hate it, go. All right. Go away from it. But he explains the show for about fourteen minutes every time. Like it's designed to be slow. Nice. He explains it for about fourteen minutes, and then he gives you a bedtime story for about an hour or somewhere in there. Wow. That's my recommendation. I will give that a shot. Yes, wherever podcasts are found. Yes. Go check out the Sleep With Me podcast. Which is not suggestive in any way. He's not actually asking to sleep with you. He's saying you can fall asleep at the same time, even though we're, you know, separated for hundreds of miles. Disney Channel approved. So let us continue our venture into Apple Corner with a brand new topic. Mm. We went on a long tangent with AirPods, but now let's bring it back around. Let's talk about Apple and antitrust which is the problem with companies when they get really big is that they tend to start acting in ways that they didn't act when they were small. Mm. So they will, what's kind of a problem that's happening with Apple right now is they are kind of pushing their weight around. The main way they're doing that is they're asking, and they have asked this for a while, but people are starting to think it's super unreasonable because they're cracking down on it. They're asking all developers to essentially give a 30% cut to stay in the store, essentially. So they've asked this for a while. So basically, if you if you make $10 in the App Store, you get to keep 7 and three goes to Apple, and you might say, okay, what's the big deal about that? Well, when you're a multi-million dollar app, you're start, it's starting to not look so good. You're starting to lose $300,000 to Apple and keep $700,000. You probably want to keep that $300,000. There's quite a bit you could do with it at a certain scale. The main reason people are upset about this is because they're not also consistent about this. There's, there are some apps like big apps with Amazon. I think they have a 15% deal with Amazon because they kind of have to cooperate with Amazon because people won't be, be less tempted to buy an iPhone if they can't shop on Amazon on the iPhone. They have certain deals with bigger companies that people are perceiving as being unfair. And I can't say I blame them. I would say those deals are unfair. And they're saying, why are you basically the big companies are getting a break and the smaller guys are having to pay 30%. So the FCC recently, they just had this long Zoom call with the CEOs. They had Tim Cook, they had Mark Zuckerberg, they had a bunch of other people. This was a while ago, so this is super old news. But basically the idea is people are wanting Apple to change their ways and they're wanting to regulate them. The government is considering regulating Apple more. I will first start off by saying, Joe, what's your opinion about this? How much regulation is too much regulation and what should Apple be doing right now? You know, it is it is an interesting question because this this concept goes down all the way to, you know, my 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 brothers will, uh, you know, one of them owns a Nintendo Switch and one of them will buy Nintendo Switch games and they'll say, ah, well, I need to play this. And then, you know, the one will will hold it over his head because he's got the power. Right. <laughs> um, and and it's 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 odd because when you look at it, it's not like Apple's really hurting. Right. I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> here's here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be able to make money. I'm not saying that they should like not have a fee at all, right? But the problem with with apps that make a lot of money is that 
you start to see big sums of money that could be theirs go to Apple. And that's that's tough, <laughs> especially as a, as a smaller, uh, you know, company that, I mean, you're missing out on a lot of income only because you're dependent. You're dependent on somebody and there there are some people would probably say extorting that, that that's a that's a big that's a big word. yeah that's exactly the problem that we're kind of facing with, yeah. with this exactly right i don't think it's wrong for them to desire compensation for the use of their app um that's fine i think the problem is that it's so much i think it could be a lot less and they would still make a ton of money you know what i mean and everybody would be better off that works because that's exactly what I think as well. I think they should charge 10 to 20% and they should be more reasonable essentially because there's a lot of industries where there just isn't 30% to mm-hmm. give. Like the physical book industry, there literally is not an extra 30%. Once you spend all of your money to pay the publishers, to pay the author, to print mm-hmm. the actual book, to ship the actual book, if yeah. you had to give away 30% every time, you just you could never ship books. It's like we're out of business now. Yeah. For ebooks, there is 30% because you're just literally copying and duplicating the same file over and over. Yeah. And then recently they've kind of started to have problems with Epic where Epic has been complaining and being very vocal and saying Apple is not allowing us to have our own in-game currency because we were trying to have our own in-game currency and get around the 30% thing, just mm-hmm. where you pay for stuff in the app and, you know, like, don't tell Apple, just pay for stuff in the app and then get currency behind Apple's big brother, Apple's back. Mm-hmm. And then Apple banned their app from the App Store. Yeah. But you, everyone who had it still had it, but you could no longer re-download it, was my understanding. Got it. And then they immediately, they were ready to go. They had a commercial basically ready to go. I thought it parodied the 1984 Apple computer or the Apple commercial. Yes, that's exactly right. It was it was a video parodying a video that was long ago made by Apple. Yeah. And long ago, Apple was complaining that IBM was being the big brother that was taking everyone's money. So it's kind of ironic. Different people have different opinions on this. I think it was I, I just find it hilarious that they had that ready to go mm-hmm. so quickly. Like clearly they thought about this. All right, let's get banned on purpose and let's make the biggest fuss you've ever heard in your yeah. life. And then as well, this is like one of those rare times when a tech store is truly going to affect like little Timmy down the block, like saying, daddy, why can't I play Fortnite on my mm-hmm. iPad? Like it's not working. You bought me this iPad or I bought this iPad. Yeah. Someone bought this iPad and now little Timmy's sad. He can't play Fortnite anymore. So this is, they're definitely gonna have to work something out, yeah. but it might be a long road ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, my, my little brothers play Fortnite all the time and they buy things. Well, to my to much to my chagrin and my father's chagrin, they <laughs> they buy things a lot. But but when you think about it, I mean, I guess I, I mean I guess we we have a PlayStation, right? So they go through PSN, PlayStation Network, PlayStation Store, whatever. Obviously, Epic is getting along with that you know medium of transactions, and so for sure, I don't know why they can't just take what they're doing there and say, hey, Apple, why don't you just do? I don't know. That's just me though and i'm going to say as well that like we've become really dependent on these tech giants as well which is why some people are saying they need to be Mm -hmm. regulated we were actually talking about this in speech class just this morning like briefly talking about some issues that maybe we could even use for our speech and one of them was like you know tech giants are they can they be allowed do we think that they should Mm -hmm. do we think that any company should truly be allowed to be too big to fail because the if you remember when Instagram was coming out there are actually some emails that came to light recently that were saying it looks like Instagram is potentially a threat for the young kids so let's just buy them so we'll pay one billion dollars out of our unlimited money fund and we'll just buy them because it's he said in so many words that they i'll put the original notes in the show notes so you can go look at the exact wording but he said it looks like they are going to potentially take some of our business so we're just going to buy them it's going to be a facebook product and they'll you know they'll get money and everyone's happy they'll get a billion dollars and retire and everyone's happy but 
at the same time. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Yep. I'd like to spring kind of a quick questionnaire on you. So there's five tech giants at a list I'm looking at, and I'll put this list in the show notes as well. But basically, we have Alphabet slash Google, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and Amazon. Mm-hmm. If you had to give them up, in which order would you give them up? Starting with the one I don't ever use this. You can get rid of this. Ending with the one, I don't want to give this up, but, you know, you're going to make me. I use this stuff every day, and I'm super upset. So the first one that I would give up is Facebook. Personally, I know this might be weird. I don't have a Facebook. I I do have an Instagram, and I know they own Instagram, but I don't have a Facebook. I don't believe that that would affect me too greatly. Yeah, I don't have a Facebook account either, other than the one I use for business. And then that I just had to create a personal one so I could create the business one. Yeah. I'm certainly not active on Facebook. I think Facebook's a horrible company. You should definitely, you know, get rid of them as soon as possible. I agree. Yeah. They have this terrible, like, sleazy thing that, you know, you haven't seen. But it'll be essentially when you have a business account, it's like, here's how many of your followers this post reached. And, you know, if you want to give us like $5, we could, you know, hypothetically make sure it reaches all of your all of your followers. Oh, my gosh. It's just, it's terrible. So Facebook is the worst. Tell us what's next on your list. So the next on my list is Microsoft, which... Is only because I don't use very many Microsoft. Obviously, technically, I'm using it right now. I'm using Windows. Technically, Microsoft is in my everyday, but it's yeah. not something that I would be totally remiss without. Going from there, I would give up uh, Google Next, which, again, only because I don't use it a ton. Now, YouTube, I do use a lot, um, yes. and I know that that's a part of, of Google, but you make tough decisions in these kind of hypotheticals. <laughs> absolutely from there i would say amazon that one was pretty hard only you know amazon is so embedded in our society right now yeah (laughs) a week ago i had my mom order me like new guitar strings on uh on amazon because i was like i was wanting to retune my or restring my guitar because one broke and and i didn't want to go out to melody music shop you know so that that's much harder because it's so it, it does affect your livelihood absolutely it affects when and how you get your things that you need and then number one was apple <laughs> the right choice the objectively right choice purely because yeah purely because i i uh, you know my phone i mean we use our phones for everything everything it is it is the multi tool of our society and yes. um, even though i don't have a mac i mean i still that's, I mean, my phone does, I mean, it goes everywhere with me. I, you know, I do almost everything on it. it. It's, it's that, that's a, that's a tough one to, to give up. So, and then on, you know, AirPods and, and stuff like that. So your list, Facebook, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, my list is actually completely different. <laughs> First, I would give up Microsoft because hmm. I don't use Microsoft. I do support my family as far as Windows 7 and Windows 10. I'm assuming that I wouldn't be allowed to use the products at all, so I'm just going to give up Microsoft, and Microsoft can go away, <laughs> and I'll just make all my family switch to Macs, which they should probably already do. Yeah. So Microsoft, goodbye Microsoft. And the other thing about Microsoft is they don't make anything that I use. It's not like I have an Xbox. It's not like I have a Windows Music subscription or anything that I'm super locked in on. Next, I would give up Facebook, because although I don't like them, it is a tiny bit useful. I occasionally will play the Oculus Quest, not very often. I'll play it maybe every month or so. But, you know, Beat Saber is a lot of fun. There are other VR headsets out there if I wanted to play. I wouldn't have to rely on that. So Facebook's not very important, but it's marginally more useful than Microsoft, just barely, because I do use an account for a few very, very limited things. Next is Amazon. Like you, I love Amazon. It's great. It would be a shame to not get to use it. There are other stores out there I could go to, but, you know, incredibly useful. And I'd have to get my Amazon Echo as well. Mm. But now we're starting to get into the tough decisions with number two, which is I'd, have, I'd give up Google next. It'd be a real shame to give up YouTube and Google Docs because there's nothing as good as YouTube and there's nothing as good as Google Docs. 
I'm not locked into them as far as any phones or computers or anything mm-hmm. like that. But the, their software is ridiculously good. I mean, if you could get a phone with the, if you could get any product rather with the hardware of Apple and the software of Google, that would be an unstoppable problem. Both are extremely good at, at that, uh, the other kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Lastly, I'd give up Apple. I thought about putting Apple second and Google first because I really love YouTube, but I would have to give up my computer, which I'm not willing to do. So I will keep my phone. I'll keep my computer. I'll keep my AirPods. Our past and present adventures playing and learning musical instruments. That's how I phrase this. So both of us, it's right there in the tagline for this podcast. We're talking about tech. We're talking about music. We're talking about all sorts of stuff. Mostly we're just talking about random stuff that we want to talk about and stuff we're like thinking about on the fly. Mm-hmm. But a very, very important part of our lives and something that is well we have in common is music and learning music, namely just playing music and learning music. So we have a couple of different stages we kind of have like stage one of our life. We both did some things with music. Stage two of our life, we did something with music. Not that we're even that old, just as far as when we were like nine or 10, then we were middle school and high school. And now that we're in college, we're kind of doing different things in the different stages of our lives. And we're trying out new things, hence the College Try podcast. So number one for me, my origin story for music. I started out with piano. But that being said, my parents said you're going to take piano lessons for a year whether you like it or not essentially was how they phrased that maybe they probably phrased it nicer but that's how i remember it so every week i'd sit down with the piano lesson with my dad who's extremely good i'll never be able to catch up to him no matter what i do he's had you know 30 years extra he's 30 years ahead of me so i won't be able to catch up there but he would give me a lesson he'd just be like here's how to play a major scale here's how to play chords here's how to read some basic music uh, the most fancy thing I did was I did a Christmas piano recital for my family where they all came and we made some hot chocolate night blade, you know, super simple. Like we wish you Merry Christmas with just a bunch of C chords and G chords. And it was basically the most advanced thing I knew how to do was melody with the right hand and try just not even the chords that are that complicated, just basic triad chords in the left hand. And although I didn't like it very much, I got decent and I had just enough music knowledge. I'm spoilers for later on in the list, but I had just enough of music knowledge to kind of nicely lead me into the second part which had to do with more composing music and more original thinking there. So that is the first stage of my life, which was piano. Joe, what's the first stage of your music life? The first experiences that I had with music was not playing. I have always liked to think of our family as a musical family, not not like, uh, you know, acapella singing in the car type of like, oh, you harmonize here. It's But, but we all, <laughs> my dad loves uh, my dad's a, a decent singer. And I think we, we got that from him. And when I say we, I mean, my whole my, my siblings and everything. Um, we, we all love music. You know, he showed us, um, all sorts of, you know, uh, for anybody who, who knows, you know, some older music, you know, he, he was a fan of, of people, old, old people like, uh, you know, like Frank Sinatra sort of era, uh, but also, you know, uh, country, you know, some of his favorites were the Statler brothers and Ronnie Millsap and, um, Kenny Rogers and, and, uh, you know, Merle Haggard and, and people like that. And then even into the nineties with, uh, with George Strait and, uh, Randy Travis and, and then my generation, which was the, you know, the two thousands, which I got from him too, is, you know, Toby Keith and Darius Rucker and all them. Long story short, we listened to a lot of music. I got a lot of my music tastes from him. Um, we all did, in my opinion, we, we still sing those songs together and, uh, you know, reminisce about, you know, childhood and stuff. But, but yeah, like I said, my first experiences with music was not playing, although I did bang on the piano when I was younger. It was, people would say that I, yeah, people would, I remember, I think it was just because I was little, but they were like, Joe, you're so good. Like, you're just hitting all the notes and like doing things. Yeah. Wow, Joe, you know how to play the chromatic scale, only white notes. Whoa. <laughs> but yeah, my, my older brothers took lessons before I did. But my first experiences were just just listening. 
The second stage of my life was drums, and this is where music actually got kind of fun for me, because before it was just like a chore like math where you just sat down and grit your teeth and set a timer on the microwave, which is literally what I would do back in the old days before phones. I'd set a timer for, I think it was 15 minutes, and I would be, you know, counting down in my head, and it's like the 15-minute timer. It felt like it went on for 37 minutes. So yeah, that was the part where I started to actually have fun with music. I was always tapping on the table growing up, and my family was really annoyed by that, and they said, you know, Zachary, stop hitting the table. And my mom actually told me a story about how, well, when, you know, when Justin Bieber was young, his family always had him tapping on the table and then he became really rich and famous. So, you know, maybe things will turn out all right. So that's classic mom helping to make you more confident about how things will always turn out all right. Mm -hmm. It's easy to remember the date that I started taking drums because it was, it was 12, 12, 12. Interesting. So it's really easy to remember. I took it in December. It was a cold day. I went to Melody Music and met my teacher. Shout outs to Dave. If you're listening, Dave, you've been a great teacher you know, going on eight years of on and off lessons. And, you know, he basically, our strategy is he gives me a lesson every maybe like five to six months or something like that. And he'll just give me a lot to work on. And then he will, you know, give me a lot to work on next time and always have a lot to work on. Can never catch up. There's always more to learn in drums. But that's really where I started having fun with, with music. I got to channel that rhythm that I hadn't been able to do anything with. I channeled it first toward a practice pad, which is where most people start, then to a snare drum. And so my parents were like, all right, he's serious. We'll go half with you for a drum set. So I think it was it was literally $50, $50 split. And it was this cheap $100 like Fisher Price drum set. It was like terrible. XL percussion, some sort of no name when you look at the pictures. And we went to Craigslist, checked it out. It's like, all right, this guy's not a serial killer. We trust him and we'll get <laughs> the drums from him. And so we got that, set it up. And then I, there's this embarrassing video that will never see the light of day, but I played this terrible beat that didn't even sound like a beat, but I thought I was so cool because I was an official drummer now. The second part was where things really started getting fun. I was able to learn and play. I started doing some things with the youth group at church, the first in middle school, then in high school, I did some drums for them. And then I also played a lot of keyboard drums as well during this time, which I had done even before I started learning drums. Basically, it was like, you know, C is the bass drum, D is the snare drum, and I would always play beats. There's some videos of me playing stuff with my family as well. So that was the second stage of my life was more focused on rhythm and just having fun with music, and that's where I started to enjoy music and not dread it the entire time. Joe, what's the second stage of your music life? Okay, so the second stage of my musical life is, uh, now this is when I started getting into playing. So I... Um, it was a honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was pretty tough for a while. Um, from the time I was like eight to like 13, that like five year span, I think I had two different teachers. Um, and for each one of them, I think I quit at least once and started again. So it would get to this now for, for, for just for everyone to know, I hate performing, I hated recitals. Um, when I was little because I was forced to do them. Um, so when I was, I would almost always quit because of this recital. In fact, so I would, I went from one teacher, I was with her, quit, started again because all my siblings were doing it. My parents wanted us to try. And then, uh, you know, I quit for again. Right. And so I I had two stints with this one teacher. A couple years later, I went to this other teacher that we had had recommended to us. And, uh, you know, I went with her for a couple years and then, or like maybe a year and then quit and a couple more years and then quit again, and I thought I was done. I thought I was done with music. Um, I didn't think I would come back. Um, and then, and this is piano, by the way. I think I mentioned that. If I didn't, just throwing that out there. Um, so it was 20, 2015, and I was watching YouTube, and I was watching this guy play a game called To The Moon. 
I don't know if anybody who knows that game knows that the soundtrack is beautiful. There is a specific piano piece that I was so in love with. Um, and I was looking, I would look up, like, you know, those, like the notes fall from the top to the bottom and it, and it teaches you, te- quote unquote, teaches you how to play the, the piece, right? <laughs> yes, of course. And I would look those up and, and try and play. And my mom heard me trying and was like, hmm, we need to get you to lessons again. And I was like, I was very, very not looking forward to it because again, I hated recitals. I had very bad memories of of playing and messing up and hating it and hating the tension and all that. But she was, you know, she said, let's just try it. And so we got a reference and we found a teacher and that's sort of where I would say that that's like the second stage. It ended with the finding a new teacher that I enjoyed. That's a very important part because if you don't like your teacher, and I liked my teachers, but if you are not, if you're not learning a lot from your teacher and if you're not enjoying the instrument, it's kind of like, what are you even doing? Music's supposed to be fun, especially when you get older. There's no need to suffer, basically. Yeah. Okay. And then we're into the third stages of our musical life, which is where we're both at right now. So where it is for me is I started a little bit in the second stage, but mostly when I started to become more like 15 or 16. In the second stage, I was learning a program called Propellerhead Reason, which is the digital audio workstation, sometimes abbreviated DAW or DAW for the cool kids. That's what they'll call it. So I was learning how to use that. I essentially knew that my dad always used this program for his, he was, you know, doing practice with jazz. He was creating practice loops for his different scales and things that he would do. So I said, why don't you teach me this? This seems cool. Like I want to learn. And so he had me, you know, as a, I would have been eight or nine at the time, but he had me, you know, learn the basics of it. And I made my first song, which I'll play in the background right now. It was called The Mechanical Monkey. It was based off the level in a game I liked, I'll put it that way. And so it was this, you know, very, very simple song and it sounded like garbage because nothing was, I don't even think it was to the click. I think I was literally just recording and not even listening to the click and it was just like the notes were floating in space and not attached to any any measures or anything. But regardless, it was this really cool project because I had this song in my head and with, you know, dad helping me troubleshoot the program and, and type some stuff in, I could get this onto the speakers and that was a really transformative moment for me. Again, this is stage two. And then once I moved on to stage three, I started to get a lot better at composing music. And my songs started to actually sound halfway reasonable because, you know, I wasn't eight years old like I know. Well, mostly what I'm doing to some extent. And I had just enough knowledge to be dangerous. And right now I'm learning more from my dad when it comes to seventh and ninth chords, when it comes to two, five, one chords, when it comes to different types of scales, different types of soloing. I'm learning just not a lot per se, but just enough to be dangerous and just enough to bring my ideas to fruition. And the other thing I'm kind of messing around with is I am playing some bass. Right now that's only major scales and only this one song called Blue Bassa, which I'll play in the background right now. Just a good practice song for both piano and bass. It's just getting you into jazz without being overly complex. It's just kind of, you know, in the middle, I'd say. So stage three for me looks like continuing to play for church and play for CSF. You know, when they're open, I'm happy to come back and play for them, but I will for sure use my talents for the good for the good of all and compose some music and i'm having a lot more fun with it now that i'm older and i'm actually kind of halfway in control of my life joe tell us about your third stage of music composition i i would say the end of my second stage was finding a teacher i enjoyed one thing that i always noticed was that if i wasn't excited when i left lesson there was something wrong <laughs> yeah agreed 100 percent agreed you know my, my te- i don't know what your teacher did but she would shout out to kim by the way she was <laughs> you're listening the best the best here at iu she's amazing she taught things in a way and i still teaches by the way i'm still with her um she taught things in a way that 
wasn't just here play this classical piece or here do this because I told you to do it. It was it was hey like where are you at technically from a technical standpoint? The, the the thing that made this teacher different was that she would teach things in a way that was exciting to me and she would look at where I was technically and what I could technically do with my actual physical fingers and say, "Okay, this is where we need to get with that and this is what you need to practice." But she would then say, okay, here's a classical or just a, a piece in a book that she had. Here's this to do to practice that technique. Now, pick a song that you want to do and I'll make it. Well, she didn't say this, but she made it a practice for me. She, she would help me to arrange or she would arrange a song so that I could practice what I needed to practice technically. Yeah. Um, so like in the very beginning, right, I told her I wanted to learn a song and what I needed to practice was just feeling comfortable playing chords, right? So the only thing I learned for that song was the four chord pattern, I think maybe with a couple of extra ones. But but the point is that she made things exciting because she let me pick what I wanted to do. And so that, uh, again... Shout out to Kim for being awesome because she's so cool. She then, you know, as I went on, made it immensely more fun when she herself taught me how to do the things that she was doing. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously to a lesser extent, but the like she taught me how to have relative pitch to where I can hear intervals or, or chord progressions and be like, oh, okay, that's definitely this, that, and that. And that's the progression, right? Um, and, and that allowed me because... When I think when people play piano, they fall into either the reading is your proficiency or hearing is your proficiency. So for me, I hear. That's just my thing. I just I prefer to hear something and play it rather than read it and play it. I'm in that camp as well, 100%. Yeah. So she taught me then how to make my own arrangements and do what I wanted to do even more so. And I still, that that skill is just invaluable to me. It's completely, truly invaluable. So I've been with her now five years, um, five or yeah, gosh, five years. Um, I started freshman year of high school and I'm all the way uh, to now. It's just been the most, I mean, she, those lessons are responsible for a lifelong love of music that I cannot wait to just keep building on. Right now, uh, I'm, I've been working on composing a little bit. I, I like to, but the problem is, is that I, I can't write lyrics. I'm, I'm very bad at writing lyrics, and so my... That's Jack's territory, though. We might have Jack on here someday. Yes, yes. So my, my brother Jack is, he was an English major. He loves poetry and literature, so he's very, 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 very good with a, a pen. I get with him, and he's got these songs written out, and I'll help him put music to them, and we hope to do something someday, but we'll see. But right now, really what I'm working on is... Uh, so about two years ago, I picked up a ukulele and started learning that, and it's a whole lot of the skills transfer um, to that. I mean, as long as you know theory and and know half steps and whole steps and chord progressions and the number system, right? It's easy. And then going from ukulele then to guitar, guitar's harder, but it's still the same concepts, and it's not as hard to pick up because I had piano and then I had ukulele, so. I'm, I'm currently trying to learn guitar. I want to learn on the list, right, are steel guitar, bass guitar, electric guitar, and I'm, oh, I'm also learning the trombone. I don't know if I told you that. What? Yeah, yeah. So That's I've got, new. Yeah, I've got a trombone. My, my dream is to be in, I use Marching 100, uh, uh, marching band. Huh. 
So much we don't know about each other, Joe. World of mystery. I know, right? And so I'm currently trying to learn that, um, which is a whole different ball game. It's the same, again, same theory, different execution on on how to how to do the things. But yeah, so that's essentially stage three was a starting point um, at which. I gained a love of music I had not experienced before. Right. And that love of music has led me down a whole a whole lot of other paths regarding playing instruments. Yeah, two things to say on that. Mm-hmm. Trombone is one of those instruments like bass where it's not obvious what to do. And I call it, you don't get anything for free. So on piano, you get all the notes for free. You just press down. On drums, you get the hi-hat and cymbals for free and you can just hit them with your stick. It doesn't get more obvious than that. But the trombone, like where do you even begin? You pick it up, where do you, what do you even begin to do? I don't know everything, obviously, okay? <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks for clearing that up. Here's what I know. You ready? So Ready. And again, I'm teaching myself, so I don't have experts to talk about with. So Of course, I, yes. I do there is a guy that I'm learning from in the house um, who is in the marching hundred actually and plays trombone. There are different positions that you can pull, push out to with your hands. So you have a slide is what they call it, and you push it out and it gets you a deeper sound because the air has to travel through more pipe. Right. For each slide position, okay, you've got three notes at least. Well, okay, you've got a whole lot of notes you can you can technically get every note, but that's not a lot of it that's is advanced. not, yeah, that's not humanly possible. Usually you can, I think I've heard the guy that I'm learning from can get the three b- basic ones and then like four above that and one below that. So what I mean by that is, uh, so it's, it starts the first position, which is not out at all, um, is the, it's the B flat. Um, I think they call it an overtone series maybe. Okay. The, so you, you, so if you, depending on the, the vibration of your lips, when you play, you can get the low B flat, and then you get a fifth above that, which is F, okay. and then you get a fourth above that, which is B flat again. So you can get a high B flat and a low B flat, and then you can get an F. Now, if you push it out, then you can get one lower, one half step down. So you can get A, and then you can get uh, E, and then you can get A again. Okay. So you do that, and you've got seven different positions. So for each one of those, you're chromatically going down one. By basic logic, then you can get all 12 chromatic notes right by by playing those different uh one and f- one the, the fifth of each other that sounds like a quite an adventure i know i've talked to people that played before i had a coworker that played as well who who was very very good but there's some element of i'm like humming the note c if i want the note c to come out and i'm kind of humming the note d if uh, and so on yeah is that is that a fair assessment you are right in a sense but if i'm like if I'm in that first position, right, with B flat, F and B flat, I can't just make a D come out <laughs> because that's not, that doesn't work. Now, that's to my knowledge, right? So there could be some weird, like, the equivalent of, like, jazz theory where it's, like, experimental and you can maybe try and get that. Right. But, like, to my knowledge, you have to go to the second position with A, or sorry, it would be the fourth position with uh, G and then D and then G again. Right to get that D, right? But but you are right in the fact that if you know what it sounds like and you start to hum it and then you go to, you know, the the the, the buzz that you get with your lips. Yes. Then you can hear it, hum it, make it happen. So that is a good look at our different instruments we played over time. And hopefully we're going to learn even more as time goes on. And, you know, hopefully there's stage four, five, a six and seven and all sorts of new mm-hmm. things we're going to learn over time. Like that's what we're all about. We're about trying new things. Maybe we like it. Maybe we don't. But 
there's definitely a whole world of music and music is just such a cool thing that can be appreciated. You can always learn more. Even if you study it for 50 years, you can always find someone who can teach you tricks and tips that you didn't know. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of an amazing, a really amazing corner of the universe that I think everyone should at least try out. It's kind of better that our parents forced us to take piano lessons because we got to unlock kind of this whole world that we wouldn't necessarily have realized it was there otherwise. Definitely. And I think that just about does it. Thank you for tuning in to the College Try podcast. Thanks so much. If you'd like to learn more about some of the things we discussed in the episode, you can check out the episode show notes, and those will be right there in your podcast player. If you've enjoyed the show and you know anyone else who might enjoy it, please consider sharing with them. I'm Zachary Todd, and as always, thanks to my co-host, Joe Durnell, and we'll see you next time. Say goodbye, Joe Durnell. See you, everybody.